Hello and welcome to the Stories of Innovation, a podcast by World Vision International Nepal, and I'm your host Utsav Karel. In this episode, we'll be exploring on the theme of leading the culture of innovation with Janus Emmanuel Ginting, who is currently the country director of World Vision International Cambodia. Prior to that, he worked as an national director for World Vision International Nepal. Okay, Janus, welcome to Stories of Innovation. Thank you for having me. I think this is really perfect timing to have you in this podcast series. Basically, because we have already done 10 episodes where we had variety of guests talking about their perspectives around innovation, their experience around innovation, what are the enablers, what are the deterrents. And in this episode, what we are trying to do is we are trying to get uh, your insights around how to harness the culture of innovation in an organization, because you have got this powerful experience as well as story to share around promoting the culture of innovation in organization like World Vision. So let's try to get back uh, 18 years behind the time or behind what uh, we are today and uh, uh, share us uh, your story of uh, how Janus uh, started his journey uh, from someone who was more community-focused, working together with community in Indonesia to leading this really important portfolio in developing country like Nepal. Indeed, I've been following your podcast and it's such a such an, a great opportunity as well to, to share some part of our stories and at the same time um, reflecting with you what we have done in the past few months through your podcast story. So thank you once again. I, I really like the point you just made around uh, the world is changing so fast. And there are a lot of chains we are encountering right now. And of course, there's a buzzword which everyone are using at the moment, VUCA world, right? That's where we live, which is volatility, uncertainty, ambiguity, and uh, complexity. I think it's uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. So that is the world where we are living, and there are so many different kind of challenges. So by thinking in a traditional manner, we cannot solve these emerging challenges. So in order to address these issues, we have to challenge the conventional wisdom. Uh, and I think this is a really great conversation we are having. So just moving a bit further in this conversation, I'm more curious to know why a country like Nepal needs uh, Innovation Lab. For example, the one which World Vision established back in 2015, Nepal Innovation Lab. Thank you, Utsav. Um, well, in a nutshell, I started my journey as, you know, development, advocacy and humanitarian workers back when I just finished my uni in Indonesia. Right. Um, at the time, World Vision Indonesia was looking for someone graduating from agriculture businesses, and and I I signed up for the job. And I think the stories goes, you know, World Visions uh, brought me to different places of the world, in in Southeast Asia, in South Asia, and even South Pacific and Middle East. And and of course, I also have some uh, esteem in different organizations, um, like donors and and bilateral and multilateral organizations and. What I can say, probably there are two um, insights that I always bring to right. where I am now. One is really uh, being curious, and B is really um, the openness to embrace change and how this 
maybe benefiting for innovation. So I think being curious always uh, reminds you that uh, you know the eagerness to learn, the open minders help you to to always uh, think outside the box. Um, not always, I would say, easy, but at the same time, it helps you to to, to challenge some of the assumptions and and yeah. help to uh, make a new things um, coming. Being embrace, embracing change also remind me that we, we live in a constant mm-hmm. changes. And I think if you talk about uh, the, our work in humanitarian, um, there's so much uh, changes in the past 20 years, you know, to where we are now. And I think even the nature of um, humanitarian itself, it's, it's getting more complex. And I think it requires our ability not just to create new ways of addressing issues, but at the same time, our ability to embrace change. And this is really where I brought to Nepal and very privileged also to guys uh, to work with you guys. Well, first of all, um, I think Nepal has so many great brains like you and, and other colleagues Thank in you. Nepal. Um, I think it's easy to um, always put India as the leading innovators and they indeed, you know, in in the global companies, as we can see, right. where many Indians leading the world, are, you know, most innovative companies like Google, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Meta and others. But at the same time, being here for three plus years, I'm, I'm so actually encouraged to see uh, the human resources in this country right. um, is, is really mind blowing. And I think what you also see in Nepal, you know, the, the growth of startups um, mm-hmm. has been very encouraging and also uh, people's ability to embrace and start the new things with, you know, you know, and online shopping and all. So there's a great opportunity. So human resources definitely Nepal has that and at times uh, can be overshadowed by the, 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 the neighbor. And I think Nepal has a chance to actually leading and, and seen as peer and even leader in this innovation. Second, um, you know, being uh, a lower immediate income countries now where um, the traditional uh, humanitarian and, and aid uh, are going to transitions uh, and donors are leaving Nepal as what is seen in many, let's say, Southeast Asian countries or Indonesia where I am now. That requires, um, you know, this country to be able to stand on its feet. Um, and this meaning that uh, without innovations and uh, with some of maybe limited resources this country had, um, um, I think it's important for Nepal to, you know, to take their own steer and and leading innovations uh, with the people and and I think populations in Nepal, um, it's 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 quite significant market if you right. want to see both from uh, profit innovation, uh, innovative products that we have seen growing, and at the same time uh, the. The disaster pro- being disaster-prone countries in this country always require us to be innovative. I mean, recently we got cold wave in the, the Terai, which right. we haven't really faced, and I think climate change is something that we need to 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 really adapt and 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 overcome. And this all require not just um, human resources, but a lot of new ways of thinking. But I also like to you know promote you know corporations where innovation lab like World Visions having and, and humanitarian uh, are requiring need to work closely with uh, many uh, partners like private sectors and of course government and the public themselves. So Janice, you talked about, you know, like how enabling the external environment has mm. been, you know, like uh, the human resources. You talked about, uh, you know, like how the culture has been changing where people are have have been having this behavioral shift to you know like online shopping and all these incredible things right mm. but at the same time when we talk about innovation in order to happen that in organization 
we need to have the innovative culture mm-hmm. or the culture of innovation. And uh, what you can see is because when I was doing a, you know, like Google search, mm-hmm. and then I saw like when I was typing humanitarian innovation lab, mm-hmm. and the third one was like Nepal Innovation Lab. Great. All right. So maybe I don't know the Google was biased. I don't know yet, but <laughs> but I think that was a really great. And great. to see that this shows, you know, like there is a lot of thing happening behind the scene mm. to place World Vision as one of the front runner in the space mm. of innovation. And if I'm not wrong, in the whole Asia Pacific region, World Vision is one of the entity to have mm. innovation lab, right? So mm. how you are promoting the culture of innovation, because mm. we can see a lot of success stories return about uh, the innovative things that are happening. So mm-hmm. we're more curious to know about, you know, the secret mm-hmm. recipe mm-hmm. where you are promoting the culture mm-hmm. of innovation. Thanks, Utsab. Um, first of all, um, I think when we talk about culture of innovations, I think we need to debunk some of the myth that is something complex, right. that is something maybe costly. Uh, mm-hmm. But what what Vision has done with you and other colleagues, and I have to also acknowledge my predecessor that actually, um, you know, starting the journey. And when I came, um, you know, three plus years ago, um, building on that strength. And I think we've been going far uh, compared to where we started. So to summarize maybe our insights so far, there are probably uh, three or four sort of uh, innovative culture that we like to infuse in World Vision Nepal. Right. Um, one is... Uh, we have this theme called Growth Plus, right. of which um, this reflects our aspirations to um, uh, a certain culture and behavior and practices that we like to happen in this organization. One is going further. This is basically um, trying to inspire and pushing us uh, to the boundaries. And I think our case really to to serve those in needs uh, in, in, in many parts of Nepal, from the Terai, um, Hili, and the mountainous region. I think this helped us to to always be open-minded and, and, and pushing where we can do more uh, to serve those in needs. Second one that I mentioned earlier is about openness. I right. think openness is really about listening to each other. And I think innovation is also understanding the issue to address, but also opportunity to tap. So it's by being open uh, to our problems, but also, uh, you know, willingness to seek help. I think this is really where you you can uh, create uh, a conversations uh, to start with. And the third one is really a, a trusting environment. And, and for me, trusting is not just, you know, I trust you, you do that. But I think it's a tr- you need to earn trust. By trust, meaning that uh, as a leader, for example, we try to, you know, not just to give time, but also resources for staff to test new things, to experiment thinking, and at the same time, being able to accept any failures, but also most important, learning from that. Right. Uh, and finally, actually, on, on diversity, I think we promote a lot of diversity from different backgrounds, but I believe the diversity brings a lot of brains together, uh, not just in a gender and, and ethnic background, but diversity also different ideas. I think we tend to feel uncomfortable to, to work with people that we don't like, uh, but I think diversity also meaning our ability to embrace different team members and try to extract any any you know any new ideas and at the same time being open to to, to challenge each other. So I think in a nutshell, of course, uh, culture is important, but I also need to remind us here that getting the right people is important. So I think this this all with both sides and its leader has important role, but actually this is a we. Actually, you and us need to work together um, to make that happen. Right. So. The secret recipe is 
in the DNA of World Vision itself. So in the growth, growth mm-hmm. plus, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about challenging the conventional yes. wisdom. So we challenge each other. It's not about confronting someone. It's more about challenging right. each other and trying to get the best, right? Yes. At the same time, being more open to different kind of ideas right. and also sometimes going with the crazy experiments. Yes. I still remember, you know, like when, when we were telling you that board game and you were like, oh, okay, you guys can go with it, right? right. Uh, because uh, it was like COVID time and it was mm. not a right time to right. have a board game yep. considering the social distancing and you were like right. okay if you really believe in that one then you can definitely yes. go with that right so having that kind of trust is also as you mentioned is important and then you talked about the diversity mm. and yes nepal is a diverse country and mm. uh, uh, the way the organization has been really promoting diversity really helps and i think i really like the way you say like sometime we might not be comfortable with whom we work but mm. at the same time that really helps to get the best out of mm. each other and that is all about you know like again challenging and mm. then you know like uh, openness and i think uh, now we found the secret recipe and it's within the growth <laughs> plus right mm. okay perfect and now you know like uh, as we now know from this conversation the innovation didn't happen overnight there were like yes. a lot of you know like right. thought process a lot of uh, struggle behind the scene as well in terms of you know like how to experiment how to fail fast learn mm. from the process right so you know like uh, people's when people say innovation yes it's all about mm. uh, failure like people also say it's all about celebrating failure mm. but uh, is it all about celebrating failure or celebrating the learning from the failure what do you think about that one i think i will tend to the latter i guess mm-hmm. um let me also say something that probably not comfortable to say at times um, at times when we talk about innovations um I think people assume this is Google or right. um, or uh, Meta where mm-hmm. they have billions of money to burn to get uh, certain products. Definitely. I think we cannot afford that as humanitarian organizations. I think we need to be accountable right. uh, for all uh, single pennies that are trusted from our donor supporters and, and public as well. So I think on that sense, um, uh, how do we treat failures in this case? Uh, I agree with you that Um, there's certain uh, level of tolerance of, of the failures and mm-hmm. I, I don't think um, there's uh, possible without any uh, failing uh, practices. But at the same time, I think most important, how do you uh, always take a step back and reflect what is the major learnings? What, how can we build from strength to strength? And an example of this practice uh, itself was that um, in the earlier days of Innovation Lab, right. uh, I think a few years ago, I know our team produced a couple of uh, innovative products from 3D printings, uh, Sika right. that we can talk about. Now you guys have board games, but also there are a few others in the past. And what we've been discussing uh, with the previous leadership as well, what I said actually, yes, you can have five or six innovative products or approaches, mm-hmm. but we need to be very um, selective and strategic. Which of these that actually can sustain uh, reaching the scale? Um, what Vision President Andrew Morley always uh, promoting innovation at scale. Mm-hmm. I think this is exactly what I'm talking about. That um, not for the sake of trying and 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 failing. Uh, that's not enough because we are dealing with human lives. We are dealing with uh, a time issue here where uh, I think there's always been urgency to to support and and dealing with human response, but also longer term and chronic uh, development issues. And I think. Um, With that, 
the learning is important, mm-hmm. but at the same time, our ability to to select and prioritize, and when you said failing fast, is really to know what to stop and what to continue, but at the same time, opening new things. And what I said earlier, we I believe we have like six or seven products, but we agreed to to kill some of them because uh-huh. we know it cannot fly. And we continue, for example, with Sika, and now we're creating new one with Borkem with you and the team. So this is really how we uh, practice that you know learning cycle without losing the big picture, but at the same time being being accountable and disciplined in executing, so that we are also uh, able to to you know to demonstrate our accountability to our donors and 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 people that we serve and how we are dealing with learning and failures at the same time. I hope that makes sense. That makes perfect okay. sense. And uh, yes. We cannot scale everything and we yes. need to be really strategic in terms right. of how we scale mm. and bring more impact because mm. the whole bottom line of being mm. innovative is all about plugging those gaps in right. more innovative way, right? right? Since you were talking about Sika, mm-hmm. right, I can talk quite a lot around Sika, <laughs> but I just want to hear from you, like, uh, what is Sika and how that is making a difference, uh, you know, like how innovative it is. You know, I'm more curious to learn from the other perspective, basically. <laughs> Right, I guess um, Sika is basically, um, you know, uh, a tools to transfer assets, and in this case, we use blockchain technology, which right. I know can be a bit sensitive in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the drivers behind this innovation was really the need to to support many vulnerable families, especially those who do not have access to traditional financial services and and transfer assets, mostly cash, but also. Um, uh, other tools like uh, agriculture seeds and Sikai allowing us to uh, to to manage um, first transparency of the aid where uh, the data beneficiaries that we can um, you know transfer to Sika uh, with the token that it right. has will not be able to be tempered. The other element of Sika, uh, in addition to air transparency, is a simple technology right. that you can use. Uh, you know, non-feature mobile phone where um, you know a, a literate uh, mother in the mountainous area of Nepal in Doti are able to receive the number and able to, you know, to convert that uh, a token to receive either agriculture seeds or even cash to the vendor. And and security also very important, uh, especially with this digitalizations of things and where we're dealing with uh, people that are almost digitally illiterate. So we need to protect the data, protect the dignity, and we work very closely with local government. So I guess with the needs of uh, the urgency to transfer assets to not just to save life, but to ease sufferings in the context of disasters with really rapid onset like flood. And uh, the SICA provides such tools that provide a, a quick access, but at the same time also sustainable in, in getting the beneficiaries um, tools to accept uh, the support at the same time we're working with local government to make sure that we use the right data and when there are gaps on data then we work together with them and our local partners to, to fix that to make sure those who are in this really receive uh, is the right targeting as well i know you know like this was one of the simplest way i heard someone talking about sika Okay. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that was like amazing because uh, th- this is a learning first, like how we can mm. present Sika because most of the time we think from technical side, right? Mm. So we are talking more like an engineer sometimes and like, you know, talking about the aid transparency because it's a mm. blockchain, so nothing can be tampered. Mm. And you were giving this example about how accessible it is mm. because it just goes in a feature phone. Mm. So a mother in Doty do not have mm. to travel, leaving yes. her family behind mm. and she can get that support when C requires the most. Mm. And the other one is all about the 
you know, uh, secure it a bit. I think that, that that was like one of the best ways someone has defined Sikha for us for like in a long time. Yes. Um, so I think to add on that, I think this is all about simplicity. Right. And I guess one of the gaps that I also observe in not just um, harnessing innovations or uh, trying to problem solve the issues in the real world and mm-hmm. then, pro- you know, offering innovative approach is really, I think we sometimes trap in the language. True. Um, because you're dealing with different audience when you're dealing with, let's say, uh, communities. I think mm-hmm. what matters to them is I, I got the support, the aid that I need, and you tell me how I can get that. And we deal with uh, donors, you know, they care about accountability and 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 uh, promptness, but also sustainability. And we talk about, let's say, supporters or, um, or private sectors that we probably can bring in. They're also looking for sustainability. And they talk about government. They're talking about security. So how can... Uh, innovators, uh, leaders like you and, and us in World Visions, able to understand these different stakeholders and able to bridge uh, that inno- uh, you know, communication gap uh, because you need to bring everyone together in, in this uh, journey. Yeah, Absolutely. So because sometimes we talk a different language, right? We say, oh, it's a blockchain, it's so fancy. Right. Place, I think right? it's almost building a wall. And Definitely. I think we need to, to, to be mindful about that. But at the same time, back to open-minded, you know. Absolutely. You need to be open uh, with new opportunity to solve problems amazing uh now let's talk about non-techy right because most of the time when you talk about innovation we think about oh it's a mobile app right or it's a blockchain Mm. or you know some fancy dashboard or something and now there's a product called romailo yatra or the happy journey which is a board game Right. right so how that kind of product helps in the humanitarian context so like we're more curious to again learn from the you know like the other perspective I mean, first, thanks to you guys who have been able to to come with this. Um, but observing and discussing this with you, for example, I think, again, it also comes from the context. And the context right. that we are facing is where this innovating, uh, innovation product come was, you know, the, the prolonged lockdown in the past years right. and the, you know, and multiple sector impact, especially education and, and mental health, does, uh, does really create significant uh, mental health challenges mm-hmm. and uh, you know our uh, our partner UNICEF. They've uh, produced some research around. It is quite sad to learn. Um, I guess over three hundred children. I think even taking their lives. And I think this is probably just uh, you know a manifestation of the the, the significant issue most of the children facing. And I guess what uh, the board games may offer is really um, a space or moment mm-hmm. to uh, you know to not just to escape from them, but also to educate yourself facing those right. challenges, embracing mm-hmm. those. So board game, you know, brought, you know, three different elements. One is really entertainment where, you know, you can have fun in and looking at the issues and it, it creates you a platform to do that. Empowerment, of course, um, is really the ability to, you know, to reflect and see and uh, what is the solutions of this. And of course, education. And this is what we're talking about, that at the end of the day, no matter um, how much us as Humanitarian organization, almost an external agency, you know, promote this thing unless the children themselves and the parent work together and educate themselves how to to get away from uh, to these mental health uh, challenges because of uh, the COVID uh, lockdown and and mental health issue. Um, I think this is really where the board game offers not just an escape but actually 
you know, a saving space to to deal with the challenges, and yet having fun and building uh, a coping mechanism to de- to deal with that. And yet, it doesn't have you doesn't have electricity. You do, you do not need to have electricity. You don't need um, you know a, a plug and you know away from right. the screen, and is you can touch you know t- by your hands, and you know some of psychologically actually bringing closer to you know um, you know to home solutions. Right. So. Again, you know, from your perspective, I'm trying to summarize it. It's basically first is entertainment during the time yes. of crisis because board game, games should be entertained, right? Right. And that needs to lighten up your mood. Right. And second is about engagement with your peers because mm. we're having too much of screen time mm. and getting away from that, especially mm. after the school has reopened, having that kind of, kind of conversation is really mm. important. And the third one is about the education, right? Mm. So because at the end of the day, what we do really want is to make impact in yes, the lives of children, right? Yeah. Quality education and right. all the child well-beings we are talking about. Right. I think this is also the wonderful way of summarizing mm. what we innovation nerd do, but mm. we do not. We are not able to communicate mm. in the plain language. So mm. thank you for doing that as well. Thanks, thanks. I'm sure so. we'll be using that as a pitch and <laughs> all the presentation. Uh, so. You know, because you have been having this incredible journey, what we mm. talked about for the last 18 years, three mm. and a half years, leading this diverse team in Nepal mm. and seeing so many impacts, especially mm. during the COVID-19, the way World Vision led the process of, you know, like response, mm. helping those people during the time of need, and at the same time, encouraging and promoting the culture of innovation. Mm. So where do you see the space of innovation mm. going in the next five years? I know it's very hard to predict, mm. but at the same time, you know, as a leader, yeah. where do you see the next five years for innovation and the humanitarian world? Well, that's a, a one million dollar questions. Um, I guess let me start with um, the complexity of our um, humanitarian work. Um, right. The complexity, including the um, you know interdependence of issues. You know, I think mm-hmm. we're talking about um, you know climate change adaptations. Um, I think we're also talking about you know fragile context where right. there is a prolonged war, um, you know, a, a chronic. Um, hunger in many parts of the world and yet you also face the the annual disasters like flood um, or tropical storm like in asia pacific for examples mm-hmm. and and uh, with COVID, for example it posts you with a challenge of you know alternative learning right. so i think this is all to say that as much as humanitarian can predict the future what we can prepare ourselves actually is um how much we are able to to prepare ourselves and to adapt so the adaptive capability is important because the world is changing so if you talk about the next five years i think we'll be facing more complex problems right. and even now with what happened in ukraine for example it does affect food security it does affect um aid um um to into other countries that you know often forgotten now like yemen and in south sudan ethiopia and mm-hmm. and and even congo and in and, and the sahel region and and i think in our part of the world actually the issue of child marriage so I guess it's important for humanitarian to be innovative. Also, uh, the second point being adapted also to, you know, to find local solutions. Uh, I think there's a buzzword of localizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time actually to to really harnessing localizations because the solution is in the people, in the government, in, in humanitarian like you and me in World Fish in Nepal, in the community. So how much... Um, as humanitarian able to facilitate local solutions rather than always independent, you know, dependent to internationals. And finally, I guess uh, maybe where we go to five in five years, I think it's also about, you know, um, digitalizations, 
where um, you need to embrace this. And I think there's no other ways. Um, right. We're talking about lockdown and I think we're all surprised about our ability to to cope with, you know, working from home and all this tech. Absolutely. Exactly. So I think it, it there's no other way uh, embrace digitalizations and that also for solutions. And I think people talk also about, you know, what is next for the uh, public health issue? What's the next pandemic? And I think we, we just have to be prepared. And, and here, as I said earlier, that... Um, it is very much interdependence uh, among uh, different actors. As much right. as we as World Visions wanted to take lead, I think we need also to humble ourselves to bring others to solutions. And I think we're talking about empowerment before. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, education. And I always believe um, there's so many local wisdoms like people in this country that have their own. Um, and I guess we, we need to to really making effort to understand the local solutions. And I guess we a better access from World Vision to technology, to financing, to um, you know, to policy, for example. I think our ability to to bridge those local solutions into a sustainable at scales, innovative. I think this is really where World Vision can continue playing as um, convener of innovations creations, mm-hmm. but also a convener of innovation solutions. And I hope um, we can go far um, in, in taking that uh, a, a very privileged role actually definitely I think uh, remaining adaptive yes. and at the same time open and yes. trusting each other right again like you know we are going back to the culture right and right. these are right really fundamental and I think really you talked about how technology is changing yeah. the whole COVID-19 like yeah. we never thought about we'll be interacting with other with each yes. other in Zoom and all of a sudden you know and we had to adapt so many right. things right like uh, people didn't know we are working and right. like some background noises as well and there were like so many <laughs> amazing let's call it candid moments right. we had during all these uh, meetings as well yeah. so I think th- this was really good learning for us like how we need to really adapt else mm. there's no no uh, like I was talking to one of uh, the colleague and then the person said you know like in next 10 years if you do not know how to code then you'll be obsolete <laughs> because it's like you're not knowing how to do Microsoft Excel right now mm. and I'll oh okay that makes sense now mm. so uh, we, we have got so much to be prepared of at the same time you know promote the culture of innovation I, I think like that's amazing uh, now I think like sorry sure if I can also add one more thing sure. and this is really where we need to be mindful about our role WhatsApp uh, because as I said earlier, um, I think it's nice to have all these big tech company leading innovations right. change our life, right? Like True. what Facebook did, Instagram and others, and even, you know, Elon Musk want to bring people to Mars, for example. Right. But let's remember um, also why we're vision present in this country. I think we remember those in the mountainous part of Nepal and mm-hmm. in the hilly region, in the, in the heat of the Rai region. Many of these people still dealing with the basic life. Many of these, uh, you know, uh, children and you know, facing you know a significant challenge even to simply going to school or you know continue secondary educations and innovation for them could be a privilege and a luxury and and here we talked so far about five ten years ago so True. I think we need also to to put our feet on the ground right. to make sure what vision do not forget actually why we are present in this country right. and finding local solutions I believe it sounds as cliche it is it's uh, but I think it is it is our responsibility to make sure that our innovations is really to address the problem issues by bringing more others to understand the problems Mm -hmm. and bringing and lifting them to get and meet in the between so for me um that will be a beautiful orchestra you know where we're vision able to you know to to see all connecting the dots and 
and and bringing what we can bring to the table um you know for you know responding to even daily problems and with simple solutions and i'm hopeful um we can do that absolutely it's more about believing in what you're doing and at the same time keeping focus on right. what we are here for right yeah. so especially the child well-being right absolutely so you you know like since you have been leading the culture of innovation mm. for quite a long time <laughs> so what are like couple of top tips you have for other leaders who want to promote the culture of innovation mm. like what world vision has been doing any mm. top tips is that the million dollar question again <laughs> no no um well first of all um don't take yourself too seriously and sometimes leader feel they know the solutions it's not you're not mm-hmm. i always believe you know uh, two or five brains better than one head so right. always being open listen to our people and because they know the solutions i think second really um a create space and it may take as simple as that i think mm-hmm. you know you need to give people time um, you need to give resources if you can and and when you need you need guidance otherwise we we need to trust the people to to find the solutions and i think third one is really uh for me um you know be a sales be a good salesman with good right. sales uh, woman where you know it is our role as leader to amplify you know the good stories from the ground it is our role to you know to, to you know to to speak a lot about what is needed on the ground and to bring others because we have we have the privilege to see the the big picture and right. yet we also have the privilege to to know the nitty gritty the grounding the granulars of how this innovation can create i think our le- role of the leader is really to be able to bridge that uh, connections to 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 bring people together to find solutions i hope that sort of makes sense that was brilliant because i still want to go back to the first point like do not take things seriously all the time right, right? <laughs> now not taking this discussion seriously mm-hmm. i would like to ask you like if you were not into <laughs> the humanitarian world right what you would have chosen as your career okay um i actually like to be a singer because right. when i was student you know i joined this um local competition that ending mm-hmm. up in national competition students so it, was that the indonesian idol yes, kind of thing no yeah we didn't right. have indonesian idol the local time. version and i tell you what mm-hmm. um one of the most famous singer in asia mm-hmm. i beat him in one of the provincial competitions wow so i'm well probably partly lucky but what i'm saying is that i think i I love singing i, right. I mean i i love many artists because music is universal language and I think a singer is conveying the language and I think that really makes me relax and I hope maybe something that I can think of after this career. I uh, I think that's great and I think that really drives you and gives you energy as well, right? Like uh, <laughs> singing when you are really stressed out because you have been doing so many things at a time so you know like singing and then you know like relaxing yourself and recharging the battery, right? Yes and I think being in different part of the world and right. unfortunately I cannot speak as fluent as Nepalese as I want but I also believe music singing connect you mm-hmm. with uh everybody's and I think that's that's how you connect people so I I I uh, I like that I like singing because of that as well you you, you get into people's life by knowing from the lyrics knowing from the music so it's very enriching 
Okay, uh, since uh, you share, you know, like a couple of interesting, innovative products that World Vision has developed, you know, like Sika and Board Game, but at the same time, as an innovator or, you know, like an organization who has been really, really into the culture of innovation, we want to hear some of the incredible stories of innovation that is happening elsewhere because we want to learn from that. You know, is there any particular or interesting story you want to share because you have been having this experience in mm. different countries, different culture, different settings for 18 years? So we are more curious to learn about those kind of, you know, like inspiring stories so that, you know, who knows, maybe the next inspiration right. come from this conversation. Thanks, Osab. Let me pick up some of innovative stories that I've been observing in some part of the world that I've been working on. Um, one is, when I was working in Solomon Islands, um, right. we face a very significant issue of domestic violence where mm -hmm. two-thirds of women there uh, facing abuse or violence at home. Mm -hmm. And um, we have some multi-pronged approach to, to support communities, uh, faith leaders, and in government to address that. But one of the innovative approach that uh, World Fishing and other partners doing were um, having these um, um, ways to present um, issues through community volunteers. Um, sometimes they use perhaps a role play or drama, and, and sometimes they, uh, they, they, they use a different approach. But I guess um, trying to break conversations about sensitive issues like domestic violence through a role, free, role play or community drama with people actually laughing, but at the same time uh, laughing about themselves and actually looking that issue plainly. And this is something right. that I think built on the local wisdoms, right? Mm -hmm. Another one is really when I was in Middle East and Eastern Europe region, I had a, a opportunity to visit one of the uh, you know, distribution center in, in mm -hmm. Jordan where we support refugee right. from Syria at that time. And I was very um, uh, encouraged to see uh, what they call it an ID card, which All I right. think is very important. So the ID card is an electronic card. It you know it ties for number your numbers, but you're actually able to access uh, the cash from the cash program, uh -huh. but also uh, uh, accessing the the social protection support from the host country at that time. And right. so this is a multi-purpose uh, use of card, as simple as this, for example. Um, and this is something where I believe innovations uh, you know can really um, expand uh, the coverage, but uh, doing at scale. And and I think when you're dealing with a complex issue like refugee support and and with you know people coming and go, there's such a simple uh, ID card with multi-purpose that can use for everything. Uh, it's most most things actually very helpful. And also we observe not by World Vision, I guess, but many uh, European government with international organizations they use even artificial intelligence to right. you know to track where the refugee goes and you know, reuniting family and stuff of course you you need to be mindful about you know big data security and mm -hmm. others but you can see increasingly how much um you know this um, technology being used to uh you know to to support people in needs to connect people but at the same time to be able to track um where the aid gone uh, when the aid gone and how much impact has been done uh, to support people in uh, people in the move like refugees. Uh, that, that is brilliant because when you're talking about AI and all these kind mm -hmm. of uh, inspiring innovative product or solutions, uh, I think like one of the key theme from your stories of sharing the experience was around keep it simple right? mm -hmm. and make sure it can yeah. be scalable right. so that more people can experience mm -hmm. and they can 
reap the benefit out of it, mm. right? So I think that's really wonderful mm. way to have this kind of ignition within mm. us so that we can also be mindful, be more purposeful when we are doing the next bit of innovation. Right, right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so since this is the final episode of this season one, and we had this opportunity to talk to many local innovators, a lot mm. of private sectors, because, uh, you know, like one of the key thing what we are looking into is sustainability. And, uh, you know, like I just wanted to ask you, like, how what can we learn from the private sector or mm. how we can partner with the private sector so that we can have that sustainable impact beyond mm. the project period or, you know, like to amplify innovation? Mm. Yes, a lot, of course. Uh, but you know, to be more specific, for example, mm -hmm. um, I think innovations not always have to be creating something new, mm -hmm. but it's also the ability to use existing tools or technology. And I think with the drones technology, I, I don't think it's only the domain of private sectors, but government, military, and others using drones right. recently, um, mostly in the past few years. But during the COVID, for example, we've mm -hmm. seen humanitarian organizations using drones to drop vaccines. Right. And I think bringing back to Nepal, for example, where we know many uh, people in this part of the world still unable to access or walking far to to get to the health facilities i think these are some of the technology or facilities that a humanitarian can use um and working collaboratively to you know uh, to support people in it i think i right. will give just one example of vaccines but in general with private sectors um i think we i would like us to to take a time to to be under the shoes you know i think private sectors definitely driven by profit right True. um but it also driven by you know uh, speed by uh, competition the first in the game and always strive to be the others uh, again i'm not saying that this is only private sectors but they have to do that under pressure because you know they need to sustain they need to compete so i think that um that drives to to be the first to to compete to to be the most efficient and knowing the consequences not being profitable right. i think we can take that uh, resemblance to humanitarian organization like us that it is important to be uh, fast. It's important to to compete in a way that to, to find solutions that that meaningful. And it's important to uh, to know that there, there are benefits of right. having innovation at scales. We're talking about impact uh, more people to be reached. We're talking about new resources to, you know, that we can get as well to to reach more people. So I think that kind of drives and back to culture and mindset. I think it's important for you know a uh, humanitarian organization to push ourselves more and more to you know to be at that front to make us relevant uh, to, to to the work that we are doing. Right. So drawing the drawing like different things from the private sector is right. important, but at the same time we have to be more open and yeah. want need to empathize that and try to put ourselves in their shoes basically by trying to understand what language they're speaking and trying to be really open to that, right? So I, I think like one of the example I could think of is uh, one of the projects that World Vision did around Kitab Bazaar, right? right? Because this was like, I think one of the fantastic model of right. public-private partnership. Right. Uh, at first, World Vision was trying to solve the issue of children not being able to access right. the reading books, right? And that's where, again, like we mm. sought inspiration from mm. private sector. Hey, like what about the marketplace, like an e-commerce? So like by seeking that inspiration then we developed a project but the whole idea was uh, 
to make sure that we partner with the private sector and tell them, okay, there is a really interesting market there. We will create a market. And then once you see the market, then you can take over, right? And handing over the platform. Right. I think what you're talking about really is about incentives. Right. This is if building on from the private sector. There's always incentives to to have something new to you know that are profitable. And I think what we've done with Kitab, for example, mm-hmm. I think this is really a clear um, a clear examples of how much incentives can can drive people. Right. Um, not just to to create something innovative, but also to work together. Definitely. So this Kitab Bazaar will not possible if the the schools, including teachers. Um, the local government and department of educations and uh, the book publishers. Yeah. Uh, if we do not want to come together mm-hmm. and find solutions, I, I don't think uh, we can uh, help each other. So incentives also meaning that uh, the profit, that the benefit, not just for us, but others. So I guess um, this is something that we need to remind ourselves. People need to see something useful right. before investing or Absolutely. people need to see something um uh, good for them to spend time and, and collaborate. And I think incentive is a very good uh, driver for people to innovate. Uh, that's amazing. And uh, thank you, Janice, for being our final guest of the season finale of Stories of Innovation. We had this amazing time learning about different experience, you know, like unpacking some of the secret recipe about like how you have been promoting the culture of innovation, also learning about, uh, you know, like how we can be very simple in terms of, you know, like presenting our product, right? And uh, I think this has been really, really wonderful conversation. And thanks so much for your time. Thank you for the inspiration. And please keep promoting innovation. My pleasure. Keep up the good work, mate. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you.